0: Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 9. And I want to encourage y'all to read this chapter later on. Um, We're not going to touch too much on this today, but the, the rest of this chapter especially is... God is uh, speaking to his people through Moses, and um, he, he's talking about how angry he is and, and how jealous he is because they've, you know, he's done all these things for them, and they just turned their back and went the other way. And he's just, you can tell from the things that God is saying, he's just hurt. And I, I, it, it really struck me as I read it all last night, but. Anyway, where I want to focus today is in verse 9. And I've got another scripture I want to share with you right after this one. But verse 9 says, For the Lord's portion is His people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. Who is Jacob? Jacob was Israel, right? So he's really using that one person's name to refer to an entire people. He's talking about the people of Israel... It's the lot of his inheritance. I want y'all to be encouraged today to know that you fall into that, the people of Israel. You fall into that category. That is you today. You were chosen by God, you were brought into his family. You're part of his portion. What does that mean? See, when back in the in these times they talked about a portion. And that was your your inheritance. That was what was set aside for you by your, your family. And when you came of age, there was a time that came when that was yours. It was given to you. You know, you really didn't have to do anything to earn that. You were entitled to it. It's because of your lineage, because of your parents, what they had done, what they had earned, what they had set aside, it was given to you because of who you were. So that word there tells us that the Lord's portion is us. We're his inheritance. We're his we're what I don't even know how to say that. It's hard to put it in words today because it's kind of a foreign thing to us. But I want you to understand that what it's saying here is that the thing he desires most, is us. You know, in in those days, the thing that a young man looked forward to was when he got what his father had for him. We've all heard of the prodigal son, right? He wanted his right then. And what did he do? He went and suspended everything he had. But he wanted what he had coming to him, you see. And his father gave it to him. So what what God has is us. And that's something to really stop and think about for a minute. Now, turn over to second um, Peter. I' <clears throat> sorry, first Peter, chapter two, not second Peter. First Peter, chapter two. 1 Peter chapter two verses nine and ten. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that he should show forth the praises of him. Who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light? Look at verse ten now. This is proof that you are included, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had obtained mercy, or sorry, which had not attained mercy, but now have attained mercy. The Lord's portion is His people. We are His portion. You know, there's a song we've sang recently, and uh, the first part of the second verse says, we are His portion and He is our prize. And I began to think about that, and God began to just kind of put it in my heart, and I had to find out more about what that meant. And I began to look at those Scriptures and Man, it just touched me to know that God cares that much about me. That the, the thing that, see, if I was looking at an inheritance that I had set aside, man, I'd be thinking, oh, man, I can't wait till I get that. I can't wait till the time comes that I can possess what already belongs to me. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute now. You see, God's portion, what He has coming to Him, is us. And He can't wait until the time that He possesses us, that that we are in His presence, that He can finally look around and say, they're all here. All of mine is here. Man, that's wonderful. It's wonderful to think about that. You ought to leave here today thinking, you know what? God loves me. And He's looking forward to the time that I'm with Him. Verse 9 there of First Peter chapter 2 says, But you are a chosen generation. What does that mean? You're chosen. You're, you're hand-picked and hand-selected. Look, I know I've talked to you all about this before, but I know there's some people sitting here today that are thinking maybe that your worth is somehow less than what it actually is. The truth is that none of us deserve... Any of this. None of us are really... There's nothing we could do to make ourselves more uh, deserving of it. But God chose us. I want you to think about the implications of that now. God didn't only just just look around and see, okay, well, I'll take that one. That's not what it meant to be chosen. By God. See, when, when God chooses you, He He knows you before you were born. Not only did He know you, but He designed you. He put characteristics in you that He wanted, traits and and things. See, God when God chooses you, He doesn't just look around and and find you. He says, I want him to be just like this. You're chosen generation. Hand selected, handmade. Y'all know how expensive things are these days. You can go buy cheap stuff, right? But if you want something really good, what do you do? You save for it. Well why do you have to save for it, Brother Tim? It's more expensive, right? It has a greater value. Why is it why is that stuff so much better? Because somebody spent some time. Making it. They spent time not only making it, but picking out uh, materials that were good. They didn't just go pick up any old piece of junk and say, well, you know what, we can take some wood over here and break this thing apart and build this. You, you hand select it. You know, when me and uh, John Angerstein were building the table for Rhonda. I don't know if y'all got to see that thing, but look, I don't take any credit. I just did what he told me to do. That guy is good, okay? And he's not here today so I can brag on him. Because he don't want, he don't like me bragging on him. I'm telling y'all, he is talented. And if you look at it, yeah, you may find a flaw here and there. That's not what's important. But we went and we bought the wood, right? We didn't just pull into Stowe's Lumber Company or Lowe's in in Lufkin or Home Depot. We went to a special place in Houston that has wood that you can't buy just anywhere. i would never even heard of this wood before because it doesn't grow in Texas. Okay? It's special wood. And we looked at this stack of wood. They, They come and they set it down on the floor with a forklift. And he already had in his head how much he needed and what sizes it needed to be. I don't know how he does that. He never wrote anything down. You know, it would have took me probably twice as long as it took us to build the thing to make my list that I needed. But we sat there and we picked through every board. And I'd grab one, that looks pretty good. And he said, no, you don't want that one, it's... It's messed up on this end or we won't be able to get enough out of it. We'll have to cut too much off to get what we need. and Well, it's kind of crooked on this. See, he knew what he was looking for. He knew. And look, I found some straightest, prettiest looking board you've ever seen. And he said, yeah, but it doesn't have any, any grain on it. It won't look good when you stain it. Yeah, there's no knots. There's no blemishes on the corners, but... There's no prettiness to it either. Y'all listen to me now. See, when God... Y'all, I don't know how to say this today. I hope it's coming across. But when God cares about you, that's the kind of care He takes, okay? He knows what He's looking for in you. He knows what He wants you to look at. See, He already has in His mind what the end result is going to be. And He knows what it takes to get there. That's what it means to be chosen, y'all. That's what it means to be chosen. It's not just He picked you, okay? This ain't going and picking fruit at the store. He knows what it takes to make you into what His goal is for you. His design. He is a master builder. Have y'all ever heard that term? He is a master builder. Amen. So he looked at it and he said, you know what? I think I need another preacher. And he began designing me. Come on. Come on, y'all, I can't sit down and design a preacher Okay. He looked at what it was going to take and He put the right people together. My mother and my father. Not just because of genetics, but He knew the traits that were going to be necessary to pour into me to make me who I needed to be. That is love I don't understand. A depth at which I can't comprehend. Y'all, this ain't just about Kevin today. You need to look at yourself and say, you know what? God cared about me. He made me the way I am. And you may look at your life and say, you know what? I didn't have all those nice things in my life. In fact, I've had a terrible life. But you know what? God knew beforehand. And if you think God can't take that stuff and make good come out of it, I've got word for you, buddy. Listen, God takes everything bad, it doesn't matter what it is, and He can turn it around and make good come from it. You see, those kind of experiences I may not have. There's people I can't relate to because I may have kind of had what you might call a sheltered life in some ways. But I guarantee you, you can speak to people I can't. See, God's plan for you is not his plan for me. He designed you a special way. That's why he's called a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, because we're not all just alike. You don't get peculiar people by just going and picking the everyone that looked good, everyone that just met a certain specification. See, man, I could look through them boards and I could find some that looked good to me. But the master builder knew what looked good. He knew what was going to work right. And for particular applications, you need certain things, right? Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Y'all listen to this. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy that was set before him, what was that? It was me and you, his portion. His portion. It was set before him, and for that joy, because he knew that's what it was going to take for him to inherit his portion. He had to endure the cross, and He did it joyfully. Y'all listen, up to that point, oh yeah, He said, Lord, if there be any other way, look, I want Your will, but if there's any other way, please let it be. And then finally, He realized, okay, He realized there's no other way. This is what it's going to take. He said, okay, God, whatever Your will is, I'll do it. I'll do it. Because look, the joy was set before Him. He knew what He wanted. He knew what His portion was and He knew what it took to get it. He didn't hesitate. That's my God. That's my God right there, y'all. And I know y'all know this Scripture, but I'm going to read it anyway. John three sixteen and 17. Now see, they don't ever quote that one. But let's read that. For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That was His whole purpose in coming. Look, he did a lot of things while he was here. He made an example for us that no one else could make. But his purpose in coming was so that we could be saved. Why? Because we're his portion. We belong to him, we're chosen. He wants us in his presence, he wants us with him.